Hello and welcome. My name's Stephen Dickens, and you're joining us on the I'm a Mainframer podcast, brought to you by the Open Mainframe Project, a Linux Foundation collaborative project focused on the mainframe. And we've got a fantastic um, episode ahead of us today. I'm joined by Frank Himes from Canonical. Hello, Frank. Hello, Stephen. So, so Frank, just let's get orientated here. Tell the listeners a little bit about your background, what you do for Canonical, and kind of maybe just to also give us a, a sort of little potted history of your background and, and kind of how you came to Canonical and working on the platform. Yeah, I'm happy to do so. So, well, first of all, let me quickly mention uh, what Canonical is. So since not everybody knows uh, that company, it's uh, the commercial company that backs and is behind the popular Ubuntu Linux uh, distribution. And uh, Canonical is not, not only supporting Ubuntu or Linux, but is also developing lots of further, you know, open source uh, solutions and tools like uh, LXD, Juju, Mass, Multipass, and so on. And uh, since the beginning of 2016, I work for Canonical as a technical lead that takes care about the Ubuntu server Linux uh, distribution when it comes to the S390X architecture. And I mean, uh, a few words uh, about me. So I once started my professional career at Siemens in Germany and worked there in the industry automation area. Um, I programmed and developed industry-grade embedded solutions there. And uh, then after uh, completing my uh, uh, degree in, uh, or my master in um, computer science, I moved over to IBM. I had a very interesting uh, job offering at the lab in Germany, so the IBM lab in Böblingen, where I worked for almost 15 years in the area of Linux, so uh, the first half, I was part of the so-called Linux Integration Center, which belonged to the software group, where I helped uh, product teams to, you know, um, get Linux, uh, you know, uh, bumped as a tier one platform. And the second half of my career there, I worked at the STG, so the Server and Technology Group, at the so-called uh, Z Advanced Technical Skills Team, where I worked on, uh, of course, uh, Linux and the mainframe technology in general. And at some point in time, um, a pretty innovative uh, Linux distributor was looking for someone who uh, takes care about, uh, you know, uh, their new server Linux distribution for S390X. And I thought, well, man, that is the next big thing I really want to do. And that's uh, when I joined Canonical at the beginning of 2016. So I'm working there now for about five years and helped to get out about 10 different Linux uh, and uh, Ubuntu Linux distributions. So three of them LTSs with long-term support. So this is good for me, Frank. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you why. I'm a Linux guy on this platform. I'm a mainframer and I'm obviously proud cool. to be so, but... I'm also the Linux guy, so it's nice to have a Linux guy on the show. I get so many <laughs> ZOS guests, and they're fantastic, <laughs> but it's nice to have a Linux guest. So, cool. I mean, give me that view, if you don't mind, of, mm -hmm. from a canonical perspective onto the mainframe platform. Obviously, you started your career at, at IBM, you know, mm -hmm. on, on Linux on the mainframe yeah. at IBM. 
but you've been there almost sort of five years now from with the uh, with Ubuntu. Kind of how's the mainframe perceived from the canonical mm-hmm. team? You know, it, just I'd be interested to get that sort of neutral opinion of, of the mainframe platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, quite interesting um, because at the beginning, everybody was a little bit, uh, you know, reluctant. Oh, this uh, new big server system where nobody uh, knows how it works. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say difficult, but, uh, you know, people used to work on systems that they know. And uh, there weren't much people that knew about uh, um mainframe and Linux on the mainframe. But uh, interestingly, in Canonical, the engineers work across platforms. So we don't have a big dedicated S390X team, just a few people that are really dedicated to S390X. But uh, in general, every engineer um, may work on packages and problems and solutions across the architectures, right? And therefore, we have a pretty big cloud, local cloud implementation where every engineer can, you know, get a sandbox system and uh, use it for, yeah, you know, packaging, testing, uh, development, and whatsoever. And um, the it's really access- it's really interesting you mention that. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of maybe I will double click on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. How does that sort of CICD kind of pipeline approach for bringing to market work when you're doing it sort of cross architecture? It's always been interesting to me how Linux distribution vendors like yourselves kind of mm-hmm. do that multi architecture support mm-hmm. from a de- from a development within within Canonical. So not what a customer deploys, but kind of mm-hmm. you take some code from open source. Yeah. You've then got a tested across various platforms maybe you can just expand because it's an interesting topic for me uh, mm-hmm. uh, maybe an interesting topic for the listeners yeah absolutely so um i mean we have quite some uh, cross architecture experiences even uh, before we started with sv90x we supported about i think six different architectures sv90x was the seventh and so we have our tooling already, you know, uh, up and running uh, for cross-architectural tasks. And one of our main tools is uh, Launchpad. You probably have heard about it. And that's where we have all, almost all of our source code. Uh, and that is uh, these days Git-based. And every time um, someone, you know, patches or modifies a package, it is um, uh, built on the target platform, means on all the architectures we support, starting from AMD 64 uh, and, of course, uh, including SV90X as well. And after the builds, uh, usually the so-called auto package tests are executed as well. And, um, yeah, and uh, even uh, private people or companies can create their own archive uh, at the launch pages, so-called PPA archive, and do their cross-build as well. So I think with that, uh, with these options, we really um, help cross-platform development uh, even beyond uh, Canonical, right? Mm 
It's really interesting. So, I mean, I think what I'm taking away from that is you don't look at S390X and, and the mainframe mm. as a special platform. Yeah. You just look at it as well, something you build for as early part in your CICD pipeline. Would that would that be a fair statement? Well, uh, somehow, <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> and that's uh, why I asked the question, yeah. Frank, because I knew there was maybe some more detail behind it. Yeah, so we have a couple of mainframe uh, people that have a strong focus on mainframe, and that is needed from time to time. For example, when it comes to bootloaders, you know, the bootloader is different on on uh, on an IBM Z system. We have Zipple instead of Grub. So in these particular cases, um, it is uh, kind of, uh, you know, experts work in that area. But nevertheless, when it comes to uh, some of the 25,000 different packages that we have in our archive, then the architecture doesn't really matter much. Right? So, I mean, it's really interesting because I'm on a bit of a campaign around mm -hmm. the use of the word said Linux. And, mm -hmm. the, and, the, and, and the reason why I'm against the term is because it gives the impression that it's a different type of Linux. Mm -hmm. It's a mainframe variant of Linux. It's really interesting hearing you describe how can Canonical develop your packages mm -hmm. and develop. And I'm not hearing that there is a Z variant of Linux. No, it's, it's just Ubuntu. It, it's right. just Ubuntu. Yeah, and that's uh, one strong piece, I would say, uh, in our Ubuntu philosophy. So we, we really want to have Ubuntu the same across all platforms. And uh, the systems we use uh, canonical internally, uh, these are based on a, or let's say included in a, in a very huge open stack uh, cloud. And uh, this open stack uh, system or environment has, um, uh, yeah, all the platforms, uh, you know, uh, adapted and, and uh, assigned to it. So you, Every engineer can just grab an instance of an S390 system or an instance of a power system or whatsoever, right? And, uh, you know, remotely logging in and the system is already there and up and running based on a cloud image. So nobody really sees at the very beginning that this is an S390 system, right? And, and it's uh, really interesting. I mean, that's really interesting. You mentioned the, the key word there a couple of times. Mm -hmm. You mentioned cloud. Yeah. I think clients are increasingly looking to build out a private cloud. Mm -hmm. It is, And they of. want that type of portability that you've described. If it's a containerized yeah. workload, you mm -hmm. know, multi-architecture, move that container around, decide where I want to deploy it. Maybe just, we talked about the developments side there. Maybe sort of pivot now to how a client would deploy that mm -hmm. type of multi-architecture approach. I know Canonical's got some good strong offerings in that space. So mm -hmm. maybe just, you know, I want to, maybe the problem statement is I want to build a x86 and Linux on Z private cloud. How would mm -hmm. I do that with those Canonical tools? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have... Uh a pretty huge and uh, successful OpenStack team. And they do, they implement, yeah, dozens of clouds per year for various customers. We're pretty strong, for example, in the telco area. And um, and in combination with, with IBM Z, it is pretty important to find the right way to do it, I think. 
because it doesn't make sense uh, per, to really force everything uh, and have everything running on IBM Z. For example, our control plane is not running on IBM Z. So that's just a bunch of uh, AMD systems. But of course, the compute nodes are running on, 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 on all the target platforms. And I think if you want, if you really want to have a cost-effective solution and environment, this is what you really have, uh, have to have in mind, right? Leverage the, leverage the Z platform for what it is good for, leverage AMD and Intel for what they're good for, basically. Exactly, exactly. So if it uh, comes to runtime reliability and availability, then the Z platform is perfect. But if you have systems that are not super urgently needed, well, they may end up on a different architecture, right? Mm -hmm. So... I mean, you mentioned OpenStack there a couple of times. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a lot going on in the Kubernetes space as well. What's oh, the, yes. the kind mm -hmm. of canonical opinion there? What's your point of view? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are also very strong, I think, in the uh, Kubernetes space. And we have uh, kind of two different uh, Kubernetes. Yeah, we call them kind of distributions, right? Um, and we we don't modify anything in Kubernetes. So we just take Kubernetes as it comes from Google and just help to easily uh, be able to deploy it. So we just, you know, create a distribution uh, out of it. And one of these distributions is called CDK, so Canonical's uh, distribution of Kubernetes. And that can be easily installed and managed and also updated, which is pretty important based on a tool uh, that we call uh, Juju. And uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is not limited to Canonical. We do all our solution installations uh, and solution management based on Juju, even the OpenStack installations, by the way. And uh, CDK, so um, is a pretty, you know, big installation where you can uh, decide where the different components should run on. So you can uh, spread them across different systems. But if you want to have an easy uh, start, then we have something that is called MicroKates. And that is a um, Kubernetes solution that allows you to run on one single system and you will be able to get it up and running in a really short amount of time. We don't have it yet for IBM Z, but uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to start with microcades, then the way to CDK is pretty close. So where are you seeing clients on that journey? I mean, a client's sort of going full production mode now with mm -hmm. where they are with Kubernetes. Where, where are you seeing clients on their evolution? Well, I mean, I'm not um, in the customer-facing area, uh, to be honest, but from time to time, I'm pulled into, you know, discussions and customer calls, and I see a lot and a strong interest in Kubernetes. So that seems to be, I mean, it, it will not be the next big thing. It is already the next big thing, to be honest, And um, but it is very new for lots of customers, and therefore, um, I think the, pro the approach we take to uh, help them to easily or, or to get an easy start with it, that is really crucial these days. And therefore, we also have a couple of offerings, you know, bootstack offering, offering our foundations offering where we really go 
through the things uh, with the customers, right? Um, I know that some customers, um, for example, in the retail space already use um, Kubernetes in production, but I can't, I don't have an idea what the real, you know, uh, ratio or coverage is there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm trying to think here what, where our listeners are going to be most interested. I think they're mm-hmm. going to be really interested to, there's obviously a number of different distributions out there. You know, there's the, the Suze's, the Red Hats, mm-hmm. we've all members of the Open Mainframe Project. Where yes. would you see sort of canonical space in mm-hmm. the community? You know, where, where would you want to sort of plant a flag, if you would, and say, this is what canonical should be famous for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, well, let's let's uh, go again with the two examples, OpenStack and, and, and uh, Kubernetes. So with OpenStack, I think we really are, I mean, we are the only ones who uh, still offer OpenStack on IBM Z, right, of, of for Linux on IBM Z. So SUSE recently withdraw their offering, and uh, I I think Red Hat is now thinking about it again, right? So we are really strong in OpenStack. And uh, regarding Kubernetes, we follow a different approach than other Linux distributors, for example. I mean, there are customers out there that that want to have, you know, a closed uh, commercial uh, solution and want to get support from one hand. And that's probably what Red Hat is offering, but there's a different set of customers that really would love to take things how they are upstream and uh, and want to be very close to upstream and that's where we come into the play uh, since uh, as i just mentioned so we we really don't you know do forks or whatsoever we take the upstream kubernetes and just package it in a really consumable way and that's what uh, yeah our customers want uh, and are looking for so would i be right if there's a continuum between developer and operations more towards that developer side and other distros are more in that kind of operation side would that be a fair statement yeah you could say that i mean a lot of our customers uh, came to us due to the fact that their developers started to use ubuntu and then they got familiar with it they were happy with it and then you know things moved from the developer workstation into the production environment so that's not that's really a kind of a fair statement i think so where frank give me a view of what the sort of next few months look like from an Ubuntu point of view on the platform? Is there any sort of big things we should be aware of or maybe things that have got announced in the last couple of months that maybe people have missed or haven't seen the Mm -hmm. announcement? You know, what I suppose what's new from a canonical point of view on on the platform? Yeah, so our last very big step was uh, in... uh... Um, April last year, the release of our latest LTS version. So LTS stands for long-term support. It was Ubuntu 20.04. And over time, we uh, update that release. And we have uh, so-called, yeah, we call them point releases. And we just reached the 20.04.2 
with an alternative kernel. So it is now, it, it now ships not only the 5.4 kernel, but also a 5.8 kernel, which is really new. And with that release, I think we were the first distribution that officially supported uh, uh, secure execution, for example. So this is really, really a nice feature of that. And starting with 2004, we also changed our, uh, our installer for the um, server distribution. So we have a, a desktop Ubuntu uh, flavor as well as a Ubuntu server uh, version. And installer for the server um, distribution changed uh, significantly. And uh, this is a really nice experience now if you do an installation uh, based on that one. Um, that's also very, very fantastic. Another really exciting thing is, um, so we, we want to make it really simple to exploit Z-specific uh, uh, features, for example, uh, crypto uh, or compression and things like that. For example, if, if you want to exploit um, hardware compression with Ubuntu on Z, you just have to type three commands and it will take you 30 seconds and then you have kind of full-blown support for all the crypto stuff. Uh, in case, of course, you have um, you have um, the CPEGF uh, feature in your system and the Crypto Express adapter installed and ready to use. Uh, what we recently added to that is uh, also the compression support. And uh, this, uh, and, and for compression, you do not need to do anything uh, if your system, like for example, Z15, supports uh, um, uh, compression, it will be used out of the box. And that's also really great and helps to exploit and make the most out of the system. So I think these are some of the really great and nice features I'm proud of. <laughs> that comes across, Frank, that comes across. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I think... I'm always impressed with Canonical on the. Le it's not just a port; it's mm -hmm. an exploitation. I think oh, yes. you're fully exploiting the platform and its capabilities. Yes, that's right. And therefore, we recently also bumped the minimal architectural level set uh, to Z13. You know, you usually you, you can't go with the very latest, uh, uh, you know, Z generation and compile exclusively for that because you will lose too many customers. And we started with uh, with a level set for EC12, and uh, with uh, 2004, we bumped that to to the uh, EC2, uh, sorry, to Z30, which also gives us a lot of you know new features, uh, vector uh, instructions uh, that I that can now be exploited in 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 all the regular you know uh, components and libraries like I don't know glibc and so on. As I say, I, I, I'm geeking out here because I'm a Linux guy on the platform. So, but maybe <laughs> I think I should go back to being a host and instead of just having a conversation with you, <laughs> uh, and move the discussion through a little bit here. So, yeah. Frank, we've got a lot of younger listeners on the show. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of younger listeners on the show, mm -hmm. um, Frank, and they are really interested in how people build a career on this platform. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions I ask of all the guests is you can get you get you've got a time machine, you've got mm -hmm. the ability to go back 
to your sort of 21, 22 year old self and give yourself some advice? What, mm-hmm. what would that advice be? Well, that advice would be look for something you really want to do. Because if you do what you like doing, then everything will be fine. Um, and and maybe from, give maybe sort of give me an example of what what do you mean by that? That's great advice, but mm-hmm. maybe just expand on that a little, Frank, and just help the younger listeners. Kind of, what do you mean? Is that a technology you're passionate about? A company yeah. you're passionate about? Maybe just. Add a bit of color commentary. Yeah, it is a little bit uh, of of all of that. I mean, you really should be um, should be keen to work for a certain company. For example, I love to work for IBM. It's a great company with uh, lots of uh, different uh, you know possibilities there. But I also love now to work for Canonical. The work is totally different. I have to admit, because it's compared to IBM, a small company. But nevertheless, uh, you know, really bright people and everybody is really appassionated about the, uh, the work. And therefore, it's, it's, it's great to, to be there and, and to work with, with the colleagues here. And, uh, you know, there are people that go to work just to earn some money. <laughs> and there are people that go to work because they are excited about, their, uh, about what they do. And that's what I meant. So if you are excited about what you do during your, you know, during your day shift, then everything will be will be fine. I'm pretty sure. And uh, yeah, it will not be a waste of time. So one of the other, and, and that's fantastic. I think the short summary is: if you enjoy what you do for work, you never work a day in your life. It, yes. It's you enjoy <laughs> what you're doing. And, and I, nice I, I love. I love to be able to do this show. The fact that I can claim this as work is fantastic. Uh-huh. I get to interview great people. So I, I understand what you mean. One of the sort of final questions I always ask the guests is you get, you've just given me back your time machine and now mm-hmm. I give you a crystal ball. You get to look ahead. You get mm-hmm. to look out three to five years. Kind of where do you see the mainframe platform three to five years out from today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, for example, the current situation with the pandemic we, we face across the world, uh, the mainframe can really, uh, you know, change things because, you know, uh, customers uh, needed to close their uh, branches and, uh, and locations and they didn't have enough uh, capacity on the systems. And that is, it's, it's, it's perfect for a mainframe, right? Where you can increase capacity kind of uh, on a fingertip or, or, you know, on demand. And I think that, I hope at least, that more and more people will see that. And over time, I'm also pretty sure that the use and the usability of the mainframe will further, you know, uh, improve. I mean, it, it is already good. Uh, especially I recently uh, was able to work on a DPM system, you know, that's uh, the hardware management console now has a has a new mode. Well, not new, it's already a couple of years old, but that is so nice and so great to work with. And uh, if people really, uh, yeah, 
get an idea how it really looks like a modern mainframe, then I'm sure it will have a great uh, future. And also we at Canonical work on a couple of uh, projects right now to make the usability even better. And uh, we are going to support some more for our tools uh, to um, Ubuntu on S390. It's just a matter of uh, you know closing the remaining gaps where we weren't able to, to complete the port uh, so far. I think it will have a great future. Yeah, I think, well, that's, I can't think of a much better way to end the show here, but Frank, just give you maybe one final opportunity. Anything else you want to share with the listeners before we look to wrap up? Yeah, you mentioned uh, what uh, young or how younger people could start with. And uh, it uh, immediately came to my mind that the Open Mainframe project would also be a nice uh, starter because there are very often, uh, you know, student projects or porting projects. And via these activities, I got in touch with a couple of, uh, you know, students from across the world that were interested in OMP, you know, projects, but also came to Canonical and had questions on Ubuntu, you know, while coming from, from that from that side. So that would also be a very good starter in, you know, mainframe as well as Linux uh, technology in general. Fantastic. Well, Frank, this has been excellent for me, at least. I hope our listeners <laughs> also share my enthusiasm. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. It was a pleasure for me to be here. You've been listening to Stephen Dickens. I'm your host of the I'm a Mainframer podcast. If you like what you've heard today, please click and subscribe. If you could also share a couple of seconds and give us a five-star rating on the, your various podcast platform, that would be fantastic. And I look forward to speaking to you again on an upcoming I'm a Mainframer podcast. Thanks very much. Thank you.